Amen. I just want to remind you that usually during the summer, uh, we open up our choir on Sunday nights and have a, a mixed age of some adults and some kids. And so I want to encourage you uh, next Sunday night to uh, come and to sing in the choir. And uh, that is uh, you younger guys and uh, you who are more seasoned in your faith. And uh, that's always one of my favorite things about the summer is uh, you get to look up there and see multiple generations of people uh, singing and uh, worshiping the Lord together. And that's what I always hope we see here at our church is multiple generations. And uh, I don't believe it's biblical to leave out younger or older or middle age. I believe the church should be a group of people who are multiply, uh, multiple generations of worship. Uh, tonight we're going to be in Matthew chapter 21 as we are going through the book of Matthew on Sunday night. And tonight I want to talk to you about God has a plan. Now, I don't know if you've ever been this way in your life, but you have probably been through things or been through something and you thought, God, how, how, or what? God, what are you trying to do here? Uh, I am guilty of many times asking that question, God, why? And uh, I try not to let it be asked out of a lack of faith, but sometimes it is, if I'm being totally honest with you tonight. Sometimes I look at situations and, and the things that I've done or other people do, and I just think, God, what in the world? What could possibly be the purpose and plan of this? I, uh, sometimes we see that purpose and plan even in the pain. I was visiting with a family today, and I was uh, sharing and just talking about the fact that... Um, for years and years and years, I didn't share this part, but uh, we invited my grandpa to church. Many of you knew my grandfather, Greg. Invited him to every church event we had, singings and Christmas programs and, and all of those things, you know. And uh, as a good grandparent, uh, they were at all that stuff usually. And I can't remember since that's been a few years ago. Um, but that was the concern in our family. He was lost. There was no doubt that he was lost. His mother was a wonderful, godly woman and who had prayed for him and prayed for him and prayed for him. Um, but it just didn't seem like it was a shell that could be cracked. Um, but yet he was saved uh, at my brother's funeral. And so you ask yourself in the moment, how can anything good come from something so bad? Uh, there were four others that made professions of faith at that funeral. So people from time to time will get on to me for preaching the gospel at a funeral. I've seen God do it. And so I believe he can do it again. And, uh, and so in those moments, though, if you're honest and I'm honest, it's easy to say, God, how? I don't see it. I don't see what you're trying to do. I don't understand it. And if that's not you tonight, I'm glad. I'm glad that you have faith that, that can move a mountain. Uh, but I can be there. I can be very guilty of throwing a pity party about God, why, and what are you trying to do? But as we come into Matthew chapter 21, we see that God has a plan. And I want to read one verse to you from Psalm 33 tonight. Psalm 33 and verse 11. And if you would stand with me just out of a reverence to the reading of God's word. The Bible says these words. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generation. Let me read that one more time. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generation. 
And so tonight, if you would, pray with me. Father, tonight as we come studying your word, Lord, I just pray that you would help us to trust you more. God, in those areas that we don't understand, the areas that we question, and Lord, the answers that you might or might not give, Lord, help us to understand and to trust even when we don't understand. Father, tonight I pray for this group of people, that God, you would be with them. Whatever they're struggling with, whatever victories they are experiencing, God, that you would bless them and that you would bless our time together. And so tonight, Father, I just ask that you would get the glory for everything that is said and done in this place. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to thank Monty tonight for leading us in worship. He loves doing that. He always is looking forward when Jamie's going to be gone so that he can rise to the occasion. Uh, but that is a lie. I am sorry. That is not the case. But I appreciate him. And, uh, you know, as everybody always says when he sings and plays, man, he should be famous, shouldn't he? And I always say he should be, but I'm glad he's just famous here and that we have him all the time. But uh, tonight I want to show you three things from the text, if you would, with me. Uh, the first is this. God will lead and guide us. God will lead and guide us. In the why moments of life, in the I don't understand, God will lead us and guide us. And so here in chapter 21, we see the triumph and entry. Jesus is heading toward the cross. And it starts in verse 1 and says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem, they came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a coat, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. Tonight I want to show you from this text that not only did Jesus know exactly what was going to happen, because if you have read this story in the book of Mark, you know they said the exact theme, the exact thing that Jesus had told them they would say. You say, well, Jesus thought it might happen. No, Jesus knew it would happen. And Jesus knew it would happen, and he told them exactly what they needed to handle the situation that they were going to face. And this is very important tonight because you can read that story in the book of Mark, but many times we think that when we approach a problem or we approach an opportunity that we're there by chance, that we're there by the fact that God doesn't know what we need. And that is not the case. Whether it is a burden or a blessing, whether it is an obstacle or an opportunity, God knows where you are headed. God knows what is coming in front of you, and God will give you exactly what you need for whatever is coming ahead. Now, this is amazing in the life of Jesus, but I still believe the Spirit of God leads and guides and directs His people. I believe today that if you and I are willing to listen to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, we will let God deal with our sin, that we will not grieve the Spirit of God, that He will work and move in our lives just the same today. 
This is important because not only did Jesus know that this was going to happen, all the way back in the Old Testament, this prophecy was given. Because why? It was the plan and purpose of God. Look there in verse 5. Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, a foal of a donkey. This exact quote is not only in the book of Isaiah, but in the book of Zechariah. You see an Old Testament prophet hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born into the flesh. He was already God. He was already uh, always existed. But yet the writer of Scripture, through the leadership of God, wanted them to know that there is coming a day when this is going to happen. And you will know it is going to happen and that Jesus is who the Bible says he is because this is how it is going to happen. And so we see this wonderful picture of since before time even began, even hundreds of years before Jesus would take on the flesh, God had every detail worked out. And some of us need to be reminded of that from time to time, that what I am faces never has surprised God. Adrian Rogers always says, has it occurred to you that nothing occurs to God? It doesn't just happen. God knows. God has foreknowledge. God has the ability to know all things at all times. And so tonight, if you are being given an opportunity, I don't know what that's like in your personal life, what it's like in your professional life, what it's like at church, you need to trust that God knew the opportunity was coming, has been preparing you for the opportunity, and is ready for you to embrace whatever God has put before you. On the flip side of that, whatever the struggle that is coming, whatever you are going through, whatever could possibly happen, you need to be reminded that God knew that challenge was going to come. God knew that difficulty was going to happen. And He has been preparing you and working in your life to make sure that you endure it. Now you say, Jake, what if it was my own fault? We are sinners. And sin happens. Sin consumes every aspect of our life. But yet God does not leave us just because we are sinners. We believe that, right? At salvation, God comes and indwells within you and promised that He would never leave, that He would never abandon you, that He would never let you out of the palm of His hand. But sometimes we think that because we have failed God, He has left or He has abandoned us for a season, but yet God cannot abandon you if He is all places at all times. God cannot abandon you if His Spirit has indwelt you. You see, there might be a broken fellowship because of our sinfulness. There might be a season where God says, you know what, you have tried to put distance between you and I, but friends, that can always be restored by repentance. That can always be reconnected if we are willing to come to God and say, God, I need you. God, I have failed. Second thing I want to show you tonight, <coughs> though, is... Not only will God lead us and guide us, God will not be mocked. Because we see here in this beautiful story, and you can, we'll just leave verses 8 through 11. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the tree and spread them on the road. Then the multitude who went before him and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed he is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. 
If God knows everything and He knows all the thoughts and intents of the heart, He knew that most of these people, if not almost all of them, would in just a few days, in just a short period of time, would be voting and yelling to crucify Him. But yet Jesus continued in. He continued to let them worship Him. And so we see here, though, that most of us would say, I know how wicked you people are. You need to be dealt with. But I want you to know this, that even though God is compassionate, God will not be mocked. Now you say, Jake, we talked about this morning. I didn't write the book of Matthew. And I didn't write the book of 2 Samuel. So if you're living in a way that's mocking God, that's between you and Him, all right? But look at verse 12 and 13. After this beautiful picture of Jesus knowing what is going to happen, Jesus being worshipped even though it is superficial, in verse 12, Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves." You see, there are times in each one of our lives where we are celebrating God. We're celebrating what God has done. And there are other times when you and I will be on the correcting end of what God is doing. The Bible says, whom the Lord love, He chastens or corrects or disciplines. You see, most of us like the idea of the worship of God, the blessings of God, the celebration of God, but the correction of God is not something that most of us wake up in the morning and want that. But yet I really do believe that as you are a Christian longer, and the longer you serve God, you begin to appreciate the seasons of God's correction in your life. Just like no four-year-old says, I want another one. I would love another spanking. Now some people are so stubborn to say that didn't hurt. That happens. But once you become an adult and you look back at your parents, as long as they did not abuse you, you recognize that that was what you needed and that you probably should have had a whole lot more than what you got. Amen? Two of you are honest. I appreciate that. But what we see here is Jesus goes into the temple and corrects these people. I'm sure some of them might have even been walking along, celebrating Him coming to town. Maybe. We don't know. But yet in this season, God corrects them because God will not be mocked. You know, we know in our understanding of Scripture that God is long-suffering, that God is patient, that God is compassionate and merciful. But yet this is the second time that Jesus has drove out the money changers in the temple. You can read about it in the book of John chapter 2. And so this is not where Jesus just has um, just never said anything to them or never warned them. He drove them out and they what? returned. You see, they believed that this man did that, but they did not understand the authority that he did it with. And tonight, friends, I really want us to grasp this understanding. God will warn you. God will convict you. God will deal with you and I. The gentleness of the Holy Spirit. But there are other times when the gentle drawing of the Holy Spirit is not what God uses. You can read the book of Acts and watch God literally strike a husband and a wife dead for lying about giving. I'm glad God doesn't do that today. Maybe the offerings would go up, but I'm afraid we'd lose some people. And I like you. And so tonight I really want you to hear that because most of us, if we knew 
that God was going to reveal our sin. If someone was going to come in tonight and be like, Jake, you struggle with your temper, and Jake, you do this, and Jake, you do that, I'd be like, oh, I'm staying home tonight. But these money changers never dreamed that he would do it again. They never dreamed that he would come back in and mess up what they had going. You say, Jake, what was the big deal about the money changers? I'm glad that you asked and you wanted to know. But in the Jewish religion, they wanted you to give your offerings only in Jewish coins, only in Jewish money. Well, the problem is most people were carrying around Roman money. And so the priest and the Levites and all of this group of people that are there and money changers, and, and they decided that we'll change the Roman money to the Jewish money for a fee. It's like that moment you go to the DMV and they want to charge you four extra bucks for using a credit card. It's like, come on! I don't want to buy my sticker in the first place. <laughs> come on! Charge me a fee for buying something I don't want? And that's what they were doing. And guess where that money was going to? I'm sure it was going to rebuild the temple. and to No, it was going in their pockets. It was theft. The Bible even says that you are not to charge your brother an interest and yet they were stealing from them for something that they didn't even have to do. Or something that they had to do, and yet they were taking advantage of it. That's the most frustrating thing about the government. Literally, they pass a law that I don't need. And yet they charge me for using what I don't need. I, I've never had an accident because I didn't have a sticker on my car. Right? I mean, you know... Tires don't fall off because it's not on there. But yet I have to have it, and so they get to charge us to have it. That's how that works. And what is going on here is they knew you had to do this if you wanted to be a good Jew. If you wanted to check this off the box, because the Old Testament clearly teaches bring your offerings and your tithes and your sacrifices. And so what was so bad is they were in the name of God ripping people off. They were in the name of God being mischievous and corrupt. And Jesus says, I will not be mocked. You say, well, this is just two instances. Jesus continually criticized the Pharisees for being whitewashed tombs, for caring about what other people thought of them instead of what God thought about them. And so tonight I really want to encourage you that if you know the Lord tonight, to let him search and deal with your sin every day. Now that doesn't mean that you won't sin, that you won't struggle, that you won't fall short. I said something this afternoon and as soon as it came out of my mouth, I thought, Jake, why do you got to be so dumb? Immediately, as soon as it left my mouth, I thought, why can't you just sit and smile and listen? So I had to repent. And that goes on all the time in many different areas. But where God will deal the most harsh and where God will deal the most harshly is when we act like we have no sin. When we march into church like we have it all figured out, be it there's wickedness and treachery and deceit in our heart. And it's especially bad when we put it under the influence of the church or religion or something other representing God. So tonight I want you to see that God will lead you and guide you. God will not be mocked. But third and finally tonight, 
God will still make a difference in people's lives. Because some people will be listening to this saying, well, there's Jake talking about the judgment of God, the wrath of God. God's just so cruel. But listen to how Jesus dealt differently with those people who had a need. Starting in verse 14. After he's cleaned the temple out from the crooks and the deceit, look what happens. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the what? The work of God couldn't be done because there was too much wickedness going on. Sometimes God has to do that in your life. He has to remove the wickedness to do what God wants to do. Sometimes he has to do that in your personal life. God has to remove the wicked friendships so that he can replace them with influencers that will show you who God is. Sometimes he has to do it in churches. Remove people who do not want the things of God and replace them with people who do. Sometimes it's pastors. Sometimes God will move a pastor, remove a pastor, because that man has not been who God wanted him to be. None of us are immune because some of you are thinking, oh, that's not me. Or I can think of a few people like that. Friends, but in the right moment, each and every one of us can be the tax collector. We can be the person in the temple being a money changer. All of us can. You say, not me, Jake. You don't know me. I don't have to know you to know that you're a sinner. Because the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But in verse 14, then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priest and scribe saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. You see, not only did God have to remove the wickedness to bring the blessings, he also, after he began to bring the blessings, began to share it with others. They're going through the streets singing about the goodness of God. and Hosanna, this is the God. This is the Son of David. All these things. So they have a wonderful move of God. God brings them to a place where they can worship Him. He blesses them mightily. He uses it as a testimony to His, to his grace and mercy and power. And guess what happens? Everybody was happy. When God moves, automatically we think everybody in church is going to be happy. But I'm so glad that God just keeps saving people. I'm so glad God keeps sending new people. I'm so glad God keeps bringing new opportunities for us. Well, I can promise you it will never be unanimous. Can you imagine? I just want you to look at that verse with me tonight, and maybe I'm making a bigger deal out of it. But can you imagine what would happen if we had to move all these chairs because the hospital was bringing blind people and sick people and lame people and God was healing them right here. And we were all just sitting around watching this happen. Person can't walk. Bring him in. Praying for him. They can walk. Down this aisle, out that door. Someone comes in blind, can't see. Walks them down the aisle. Brings them right here. He's healed. Walks right out the door. And there's too many of them, so we have to take out the third row and the fourth row and the fifth row. And God's healing and working and moving. And you're all watching it. It's not like Benny Hinn scamming you. You're watching it. You're watching this go on. And people are leaving and they're, they're going into town saying, you won't believe it. The sick are being made well. 
the blind can see. Now, there's nobody in the balcony over here, is there? Nobody? Okay. Because, you know, I get in trouble picking on people. Four people sitting up in her balcony. Can you believe the nonsense? Can you believe the nonsense that's going on? Indignation, that's a hatred for the person and the work. Well, they didn't ask me to sit in the second row over there. That's Gary Bryling's seat. He always gets to sit over there. Oh, well, they didn't ask me to sit down here in the front row. No one fights for the front row. If you want it, you can have it. Just Janice, all right? But up there in the balcony, you can see it on her face. Can't believe God's doing it. Just can't believe it. Can you believe that? You know that one person? They're shacked up. God healed them. Oh, you know them? They were at the tavern last night. God healed them. You know the Bible never says that God only healed faithful followers of his? He has healed them all. I'm glad. I'm glad God didn't just save people that were well. Jesus said, I came for those who are sick. So tonight I want you to know something. I hope God saves people that you can't stand. I hope God saves people that I can't stand. You say, oh, Jake, there's no one you can't stand. Oh, yes, there is. None of you, none of you, they come to the, the, the early services in the morning. No, not the Sunday night service. Both mornings, they, they don't come on Sunday nights. See, once again, I was going so good and pew! But I want you to picture this, what that would be like. In the first service, we had a man come up that wanted us to pray for him today, Al Carr, and he's had uh, tons of heart issues and tons of trouble, and, and he's discouraged, and he just... Can you imagine if we would have prayed for him and his heart would have begun to beat like it's supposed to? He'd have jumped up off that walker and went shouting to that door. Some of you be like, don't believe you should shout in church. We're talking about the four people up in the balcony on that side, right? Up there. Jiminy Christmas. He almost ran over some kid going out the door. We didn't take up an offering because people were being healed too much. That's what we see in their hearts. And I know that's an extreme excuse, and none of you would do that. But friends, it happens in church. It happens. And it'll happen here if we're not careful. And this is what it usually looks like. But we're just so tired. Or we're just so busy. Or we already do so much. Or I just... yeah. That's not the way I would do it. Those are the way it looks like. But friends, tonight I want you to know something. I believe the same God that changed lives in the book of Matthew can change lives today. I appreciate those amen. But I do. I believe God can still take a drunkard, bring him out of a tavern, save him from his sin, and make him the dad that he's supposed to be. I believe God can take a person that's living in homosexuality and save them and get rid of those desires and they can marry and have a beautiful family. I believe that. I believe that God can take someone who was raised in church and that decided to be young and stupid and run from God, ruin his reputation, 
make a mockery of his family, be a total embarrassment. And yet the Spirit of God can convict him and draw him back. He can even call him to be a preacher or a deacon or a Sunday school teacher or a nursery worker, whichever one of those is the most dreaded, maybe the last one. I still believe that. Because I don't know if you know this or not, if the gospel is going to need to be preached until Jesus comes again, there need to be some men called to preach. If God is going to keep sending us families and keep bringing us new people, there needs to be more deacons to care for the people he sends. Because we've already got more families per deacon than we can handle now almost. If God's going to keep blessing us with an abundance of babies, we're going to need more nursery workers. If God's going to keep blessing us with more Sunday school classes, we're going to need more teachers. And so tonight I do believe that God can do amazing things if we will, one, let him lead us. If we will, two, not be spiritual hypocrites and not make a mockery of who God is and what he's done. And third and finally, I do believe, I really do believe that God will still make a difference in the lives of people. I, uh, I hate this whole getting saved and becoming a big softy. I hate that. But a couple weeks ago on Wednesday night, when I baptized Gracie, I almost lost it. I literally almost had a spell. Because most of us look at some people and say, well, they're too far gone. They made too many mistakes. They're too old. God is faithful to pursue lost people and broken people and hurting people. And I'm thankful that we as a church get to see it. I'm glad. And it breaks my heart to think that there will be four people sitting right up in the balcony. There's no one over there. I just want you all to see that. I'm not picking on anybody. Jared Vopel's the closest one up there, and he's in this section. And he's so skinny now, I don't even know he's up there. But I don't want that to be me. I don't want to be that hard-hearted, cold, self-righteous person that says, oh, boy, I tell you what, it's a shame we got 70 kids back here making a mess of the children's wing. We can repaint it. We can put new carpet. We can fix whatever they tear up. God continues to bless us. And I hope that's your prayer tonight, as God will work. Pray with me tonight. Father, I thank you for your word. God, you knew that we would be here tonight long before we ever began. God, help us to be a church that is thankful for what you're doing. God, we know that we don't do everything right. And God, we make mistakes, and we sin, and we fall short. And God, we make a mess of things that you never intended for us to make a mess of. But God, I thank you for showing us grace and mercy. Father, tonight for these group of people, God, I pray that you would remind them of what you've done in their lives. God, I pray that you would help each and every one of us not to be spiritual hypocrites. And God, tonight I pray that you would give us the belief that you can still change and work in any 
person's life, no matter how far gone they seem. Father, tonight I pray that you'd forgive me, not if I'm a sinner, but because I am. Tonight, God, I pray that you'd save in this place. I pray tonight that that person that's here that doesn't know you, God, recognize that you love them so much that you died upon a cross, that you were buried, and that you rose again. And tonight you will save them from their sins. Father, I pray for the believer tonight as maybe they've just gone cold. Maybe they've just got a, a disgruntled attitude about the things of God and church and, and everything, God. They just become, they've just become down and out. Tonight, Lord, restore to them the joy of what it is that you do for us. God, tonight, whatever needs there are, I pray that you meet them and meet them in abundance like only you can. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.